You're listening to The Unpaved Path, a podcast made to inspire and motivate the next generation of athletes to own their journey. My name is Reagan Rust. I'm a former captain of Boston University's NCAA Division I women's ice hockey team and current professional hockey player in Stockholm, Sweden. I'm talking with athletes, people in the sports industry, and sports supporters to share their journeys and the lessons they learned along the way. My guest today is a former Harvard track star, host of the podcast Aesthetics and Athletics, and is currently working for Outdoor Voices as a brand marketer. In this episode with Gazi, we talk about moving across the country in the middle of high school, how she got recruited to run track at Harvard, and adjusting to life in college. She details how she grew throughout each year and what she learned to better herself as an athlete and person, as well as how she is finding her way through her new life without competitive sports. If you want to follow along on her journey, she can be found on Instagram at Gazi Musa. Gazi, thank you so much for being on today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's a hot day, but I'm good. <laughs> Where are you tuning in from? Uh, Seattle, Washington. Oh, I've never been there. Oh, How you have to go. It? Is it beautiful? Yeah, it's so pretty in the summer. Like the summer is the best time to go. What do you do? Um, you could do a whole lot of things. Like you could go hiking, you could go to the mountains, you could go on the water, the Puget Sound, like Sammamish. Like there's, it's like such a pretty time because it's not too hot. Like it's not unbearable, but it's like nice and it's like hot, but like not too hot where you can, there's just like a lot of things to do. Yeah, no, that's like some of my favorites to do is hiking. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been hiking in Switzerland. Like I've wow. been all over the US. Like I love going outside, yeah. um, but I've been to, I think it's like 43, 44 states now, but I have not been up to like the north Washington. Have you yeah, I've never been there. No. Oh, never. you have to go. You have to go. <laughs> Check it off your list at least. <laughs> yeah, for sure. When I get back, I'll do it. Um, so you grew up, you it was like a mixture, right? You were in Milwaukee and then you were in Seattle too. Yeah. Where did you like how did you split your time there? Yeah. So I was born in the Midwest. I was born in Chicago, lived in Indiana, Ohio, and then Wisconsin for 11 years. Um, and then moved halfway through high school, um, to Seattle. So it was when I was 16, I moved to Seattle. Oh, wow. So you've been a lot of places and you went to Boston yep. and you lived there for four years so and everywhere York, and then lived in Seattle and now moving to Austin. So I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like me. I feel your pain. Yeah. Um, so you started sports at a young age, I'm assuming. Yeah. What sports did you get started with? Yeah. So I started with club soccer. So I played club soccer from eight to for eight years. So eight to, or six years, eight to 14, um, and played two years up in soccer after U8. So went U8, U11, U11 twice, and then went all the way through um, U15. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But you obviously didn't keep playing soccer, yeah. so you switched to track. And was that when you were in Seattle or in Wisconsin? So I actually started. So I started with soccer, and then realized that I had everyone realized that I had this like natural speed. So I started running when I was nine at the Hershey Track and Field meet, which used to be I don't know if it's still around, but it used to be a really popular meet for kids to run in Pennsylvania. Yes. So okay. they have they have the like nationals in Pennsylvania, but every state has their like they're like districts, they're regionals and the national meet. So ended up going when I was nine, two districts winning, winning regionals and then winning and then going to nationals and winning nationals when I was nine. I think I was running the 50 meter. When you were nine? Yeah, I was running the 50 meter <laughs> dash. And it was like the first real moment that I actually had run in a track meet ever. And I won by a nose because I leaned at the end because my 
gym teacher actually from like elementary school was like coaching me like my dad was my coach and then my gym teacher also assisted so it was like I leaned at the line and that's when I was like oh I really like track like I really enjoy this and so I ended up running in middle school um and then I also ran in high school but when in Wisconsin you can't play soccer and run track at the same time because mm -hmm. it they're both spring sports so but when I went to the I quit soccer in eighth grade um, because all the girls were, I think it was seventh or eighth grade because all the girls were going to high school and I didn't want to play year round soccer. And it was like this big deal because I played oh. club soccer, played ECNL when ECNL just started. Um, and it was like this big deal. And then I quit and then started running track more frequently and did track um, all throughout um, the first two years of high school set some records, was state champion in long jump. Not a big deal, set yeah. some records. What were they? Um, I have, I'm pretty sure in Wisconsin, at my all-girls school in Wisconsin, I have the 100-meter record still, and I have the long jump record. And my long jump record was like 18-3. Um, and then I- Wow, moved. That, do you know how insane that is? <laughs> I probably run like 16 seconds, 100-meter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like people are actually quite faster than they think they are. Like when you're on the line, you're coming out of blocks, you've got all the right training and put it all together. Like you probably yeah. can run faster than that, but yeah. <laughs> I think it was like an 11.94, like 118 feet, like jump. And then I moved halfway through high school and it was like a big deal because I had just started my like Wisconsin track career in that respect mm -hmm. in high school and like ended up moving to Seattle um, and training year round with a coach here in Seattle that I found that was like really good and um, ended up going to nationals, being like top 20 in the country, um, my junior year of college. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then ended up running in college so it was an interesting turn of events to like leave Wisconsin at that pivotal time of junior year especially with recruiting and stuff and then starting like in Wisconsin or in Washington um and being able to be recruited and things yeah well okay that's wild first of all the whole story national record whatever all that stuff um so you said you transferred or you switched schools, you went all the way to Washington. Yeah. And what was that change like for you? Because I went to five different high schools. So like, yeah. I know how much it sucks, like leaving your friends, restarting over yeah. and over and over. But yeah, junior year is huge, especially like prom and everything yeah. like that. So what was that change like for you? Yeah, it was really hard for me. I, when I first found out I was moving, I like, me and my friends from high school made like a hashtag Seattle sucks. Had never been to Seattle once. Like, oh, like, no. I hate, I was like in denial and so upset. And I remember like, it was such a hard transition too, because it's like, it really teaches you. I feel like it was the best and worst thing that happened to me. I think at the time it was the worst, but it was the best thing because I learned a lot about myself and learned how to be more comfortable being uncomfortable and like learning how to go and grow and like, opening that door and aspect to it and just like seeing a different perspective and and meeting different people. Um, but it definitely was a challenging time in my life. And I remember the first like couple months, I absolutely hated Seattle. And I went back to visit Wisconsin, like a lot of tears were shed and like, it was a rough mm -hmm. transition because just like transitioning and coming into a school with like, and it was all girls, which I think was a blessing in disguise because I went from an all girls school to an all girls school, but like having to kind of integrate into friend groups, but not really integrate because it's like they've been together for the last two years and I left my friends at home. So it was just like, it was a hard transition, but I'm glad I did it because I learned a lot about myself and just yeah. transition and like 
change and how important like having change in your life is because it helps you grow Mm-hmm, for sure. Did you have a good relationship with your family or did you seek outside help through like a therapist or anything like that? Yeah. So I had a really good relationship with my family and my, well, I have two older brothers and they both mm-hmm. ended up one's one is eight years older than me. And then the other one is two, a year and 11 months or so two years older than me, but he went to college the year that we moved. So like, I was kind of the only kid at home, oh. which is hard, but I did go to my guidance counselor a lot when I was in Seattle mm-hmm. because just like trying to transition and like, it was a hard time. And I ended up going to the guidance counselor a lot at my um, previous school too, because when I first found out, I was like, what does this look like? And yeah. Yeah. Um, Wow. Well, looks like you did a good job because <laughs> you made it here. Um, so you started your recruiting process. Was that your junior or your senior year? So it was my junior year. It was the fall of my junior year. And were you getting a lot of looks or were you reaching out to coaches yourself? Yeah. So I believe from my, cause I had come from Wisconsin and I had a coach that, um, was really well, like my coach in, in Seattle was really well known amongst college coaches, but also his family and his kids also ran and went to college and ran. And he was just a great coach and get, got us lots of exposure, like even nationally. So I was running in a lot of bigger meets, um, like Simplot Games, which is a big meet, Arcadia, and a couple like New Balance Nationals, which is a huge meet in New York. Um, so I was running in a lot of meets to get exposure there and ended up Um, we ended up talking about colleges and, um, he had a con, he like reached out to, like, he had sent a couple kids to Harvard. Um, so he knew, um, one of the Harvard coaches. So I ended up reaching out, um, and we like kind of went through the whole recruiting process and I talked to a couple other coaches. Um, but I, I had, I had a strong feeling that I wanted to go to Harvard, um, from a young age. Because it's so prestigious. (laughs) From a young age before I even knew what Harvard was. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) And ended up like, getting heavily recruited by them um, and kind of going through the process there, but it wasn't an easy process. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you, because they don't do scholarship, right? Yeah, no. So it's all need-based. They don't do athletic scholarships. And I actually was green-lighted on everything but my ACT score because I had a lot of test anxiety and was like very much so perfectionist. Oh. And like, so, yeah. so I ended up taking the ACT four times. No, you did not. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's four, rough. Four times. Like the first two times I took it, didn't get the score I needed or wanted. And then the third time I took it and I like gave up and was like, I'm not going to Harvard. Like, and I like no. went on a visit at Cornell, was looking at UCLA, was looking at USC, all these different schools and was just so upset. Like, I remember my fr- my senior fall was just like so terrible. I was like, cause it was like by senior year. So I'd already gone on my like junior days visit with Harvard mm-hmm. and I was waiting for everything to be in place except my ACT score. And it was just, it was, it was a, it was a growing experience. Yeah. <laughs> I to get the fourth time, got a score that I was really happy about it about. And I ended up having an official visit within like called the coach, told him my score, sent him my transcripts and everything had an official visit. Like I think either the weekend like literally the weekend after that or like a couple days after that mm-hmm. in my and it wasn't even the weekend it was like a Wednesday to Thursday and it was so quick <laughs> wow well that's I can't believe you had to take it four times first of all I took it one time and gave up I was like <laughs> I did not need this <laughs> yeah. like, 
I was hoping my GPA would just carry me and it yeah, did. Yeah, so. because I had a really good GPA and I took AP classes, but testing, I was not a great test taker, which now I'm like annoyed that no one has to take tests anymore. I'm like, wait a minute, what happened? <laughs> yeah, but it's better for them. Like, you know oh. what? We'll let them do it. Let them have the exactly. easy route. We walked so they could run. <laughs> exactly. There we go. There we go. You're so right. <laughs> So wait, you were getting recruited by like UCLA and all these other crazy no, schools? I was, I was looking at UCLA. I had reached out to the coach at UCLA and then I had reached out to the coach at USC. And then I was getting recruited by a lot of Ivy League schools like Yale and um, Cornell. Um, and then I went on an official visit at Cornell actually and UW, University of Washington. Um, mm -hmm. But I ended up applying to UW actually without, with no track um, background, like, nothing attached to track because really? uh, yeah because I was still in the in, in a point in my life I feel like where I was like do I actually want to run in college <laughs> like <laughs> so I was like still like hmm, maybe so I actually yeah. applied to UW didn't like was gonna go on official visit at UW but I think my coach didn't really like <laughs> the way that UW coach coached but like mm -hmm. so that was a big reason why I didn't apply for, or go through the recruiting process with UW kind of kind of wondered what it would have been like if I did um yeah. but yeah so didn't really do that but yeah I didn't apply for track or I didn't apply through as an athlete um mm -hmm. at UW well that's insane so you went on your official visit and what it was just like yep I'm coming yeah so it was like I feel like it was 48 hours I went on a Wednesday like saw the school stayed with one of the girls had dinner with the team um, did an interview with admissions and um, like came home by Friday, got a call by, from the admissions officer that I got a likely letter on Friday. It was like the quickest turnaround ever, but it was such like a, like, I like to say it was such a God thing because I was at a point where I was like, I'm not getting in. I'm not doing this. Like had given up and like my, I had an ACT tutor and she's like, we're just going to take it one more time. And I was like, oh, I can't do it. Like agonizing over it. I remember I like got into the test was working, was working on the ACT, whatever. And there's a point in time where I just literally was filling in random bubbles because I was so over it. <laughs> and I like ended up getting a, the score I wanted and needed and was like, like such a God thing for me. Like, yeah, where I was like, wow, this, like, this was meant to be like, I am supposed to go there. Like I need to, yeah. So you just started bubbling it in because you got tired of like, it. I think it was like I think it was like the, I think it was like the comp like the reading some reading section where I was like tired and was like like for like seven of them I just was like so like I I think I drew the end or something I like did something different that was like completely not right. Well, whatever you got through it and you made yeah. it. So you started your freshman year there. Did you have to go in for summer school or anything like that? No. So we ended up, I, it's funny. We didn't have any, cause we have our preseason that starts in the fall. Um, and very interesting and different, even though Ivy leagues is D one, we don't really have the like set, like study hall hours or like separate like athlete things it's kind of like you're intermixed with everyone else like you're a normal student your extracurricular is just like track or like the sport you play um so we ended up I ended up doing a freshman 
um, orientation program freshman year that everyone, you can pick your orientation program, but I did it with the uh, three other girls that I was being recruited with. And then we had a fourth girl that did a different program, but we called ourselves the track baddies and we had our lives freshman, our freshman orientation, and then ended up um, all running together and training together um, our freshman year. And it was a rough year, but we, we made it through. (laughs) Why was it a rough year? I think just us all adjusting to new coaching and new team. And we came in kind of as a unit, like really, really close. Um, but I think like, just like trying to adjust to a new coach was, I think was a lot, was hard for us and like a different program. And, um, yeah, it was just a really, really hard year. Um, I remember I, um, told my coach in December that I was like quitting the team and like, I wanted to quit the team and move back to Washington and go to UW and run there. Like was so like, I was just, depressed like it because it was just like a such a transition like coming into an environment that's super competitive that like you just like it's like everyone is in high school you're at the top of your class you're at the top of what you do in high school and then you get to Harvard and you're like wait a minute you look around and you see like everyone around me is also really good at what they do if not better than me at what they at what we both do so it was like a real really big wake-up call and I think a lot of pressure and I was very type a personality like perfectionist and like had a very fixed mindset on things that if I wasn't at point a to point b in five seconds then like it wasn't gonna work and I got injured I was like I was coming off of injury from my senior year like my freshman year and so I was on the bike and doing different workouts and so it was like a really tough time for me and a big adjustment where I was like December I was like I'm quitting and I'm not coming back and my coach was like if you don't, no. he, he gave me a book my freshman year going home. He said, if you like, if you don't come back with a different like mindset, you won't survive here. Like he literally said those words to me and I was like, okay, whatever. But like I read Carol Dweck's growth mindset book and that literally yep. changed, that changed the way I looked at my career at track at life then on like it was like while I was reading the book I was like almost annoyed because I was like wow you're really speaking to my situation here I feel <laughs> attacked <laughs> right well yeah. like, you think about it you kind of just get thrown into it like yeah. with boys sports a lot of them they can play a couple years out of high school if they want yeah. to and then go into college and so like yeah. they're already caught up to speed on that so now they just have to catch up on schooling and everything yeah and you were at an elite school with elite academics plus elite sports because everybody that's really good wants to go there and so you did definitely just get thrown into it you didn't really did you did they have mentors for you guys or no I mean we had our teammates and I think it was it was hard too because we we had our teammates but we came in as a collective and we were kind of we were a little rebellious I don't think we were rebellious but they always say we're a little rebellious so they were kind of like trying to keep us in check um And so we were, we were just really close as a freshman unit. And I think like there was a little bit of tension between us and our older teammates at times, which is kind of normal, but like, um, I think that we definitely, I definitely did have mentors on my team, like older mentors on our team. Cause it was, it was a difficult time where we all were just like, what are we doing? Like, uh, we don't know if we can do this. And like, they're like, we got it through it. Like you guys can definitely get through it. Like it's just an adjustment and we did get through it. So they were correct. (laughs) Yeah. So how did you respond once you read that book and you came back for, what was it? The spring term? Yeah. So it changed the way I looked at track and like, 
over the course of like four years, I definitely grew a lot. And like each year had his own challenge, I feel like. But my freshman year, I was really able to like change and adapt my mindset. And I ended up having one of the best seasons I had in college my freshman year, which doesn't happen very often. And got one Ivy, got runner up in Ivy, second in the Ivy League championship in the 60 and the 100. And like had a very fast start to things, went to nationals freshman year on the relay. Um, so <laughs> it was like wild because that really, it's like very rare that that happens to a freshman. Um, and it was like, uh, it was like just a wild ride, but I think a big thing was like the change of mindset. And like, if I wouldn't have changed my mindset, I don't think I would have done any of that. Yeah, for sure. So you said you grew a little bit each year. What did you yeah. learn your sophomore, your junior year, your senior year? Yeah. I learned my sophomore year, I learned a lot about um, like comparison trap because my, one of my like close friends and teammates who actually is just ran in the Olympics and won bronze in the 200. Uh, is it Gabby we, Thomas? Yes, yeah, it's Gabby Thomas, an amazing runner, amazing friend, like an amazing competitor too. Um, we ran the same events for all four years or all three years until she went pro senior year. And so a lot of times I would compare, we, she would, she would run a race and set a record or I'd run a race, set a record. She'd run a race, set it faster. And I would compare myself to her compare. I'm like, I didn't do anything because she already set the record. Or I was just like, I learned a lot about like learning how to stay in my own lane and like learning how to like only be looking at my own lane and only be looking at my own progress because it was so, it's so easy to like look at someone else or how well they're doing and be like, why am I not on the same trajectory? And like, I dealt with a lot of like different injury, like body injury wise types of things where I was on different plans than everyone else. And I was like, well, why is I'm, why am I on this different plan? Like, is this actually helping me get to where I want to go? Um, and so sophomore year was a lot about comparison trap and like making sure that I was running my own race and seeing my own lane and not my comparing my like race to anyone else's and just like mm-hmm. doing that. And then junior year was a very hard year for me because I had just come off of sophomore year where we made it to nationals like and we were or we didn't make it to nationals because we were in our championship season and I got injured um, like literally a week before nationals and ended up running in the four by one like on an injury running the fastest like I ever run and we ended up not what injury um I like pulled like a hamstring like oh, I don't remember I think it was like a it was like a small fascial tissue tear but it was like not enough to like it was enough to like be like okay you need to rest and like like it hurt when I ran and but it would heal but it was like the timing of it all before like right before our regional meet and like I was on a bike like two days before we were left for regionals and like oh, on a bike all throughout regionals and like so the time the when I actually ran in the prelim that or like the prelim that day that was like one of the first times I'd sprinted in like two weeks um like actually <laughs> trying to get to full speed in sprint so it was like it was wild but ended up not making to nationals and like it was like so hard because I was like oh we put so much effort in this um but then came back my junior year um ready to like take on the world and get going and I ended up um getting osteitis pubis in both hips so inflammation in my hip bones and I think it was because of all the biking that I did (laughs) over the summer but like throughout the time and was like truly unable to run like it was like I had to be on plan c now and it was like trying to figure out how to get how to get me healthy to be able to run in our ivy leagues and run in meets and it was just like another thing um and ended up like went from being back-to-back runner-up in my events 
in the 60 to not even making the finals for Ivy League championships in the 60 and then getting six in the 100 for outdoor haps or outdoor Ivy League championships. So it was a really tough year of just like injury and injuring slowing down and like not like a lot of heartbreak and hurt. But I think I learned a lot about just like like cherishing and being never under never taking the small things for granted like the ability to run or the ability to like just like the small things like I think Mm -hmm. I really learned a lot about like not taking the small things for granted and being grateful for the small things because there were so many things that year that I just felt like were not lining up and like not working (laughs) yeah well major setback it, did you did you get depressed at all while you're going yeah. through that injury? Yeah, I was definitely depressed, and I didn't always talk about it and didn't always say it, but I definitely went through like like spouts of like big depression where I was like, I don't like this, I don't like track, I'm over it, I don't know why I'm running, like I don't know what I'm doing, but I really had to dig deep and figure out what is my why, like why am I running, why do I enjoy this, like what does this look like and ended up um, coming back senior year. And I like said it at the end of my junior year. I was like, after a major, I read championships, champions mind. I think I remember who wrote it. My coach gave it to me. He was a big, a big book gifter. Um, And it talked about uh, after a major setback comes in or after a minor setback comes a major comeback. And that was very much so my story for my junior to senior year um, with track and like competition and all those things. Mm-hmm. Well, so then you went to your senior year. Yeah. So my senior year, Gabby ended up going pro. I ended up starting the year off really well, was on plan D. Um, but at the time <laughs> it was like, we had figured out the science of like, kind of how much load I could put on my body, how much rest I needed in between, how much, what I had to do with recovery, what I had to do with prehab versus rehab and all these things. It was spent a lot of time in the training room. Yeah. That's that's like a full-time job on itself. So it's like, I was always at practice like an hour and a half early to go to the training room to like get stuff done. Then after track, I was always in the training room, like icing or doing something else. It was like a whole science. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it came came February of 2019 I ran an Ivy League championships which happened to be at Harvard and I ended up winning the 60 meter dash and it was like one of those moments where I think so many people felt it too because it'd been like back to back back to back runner up and then like sophomore year injury or junior year injury and then like finally being able to win like the Ivy League championship after so much injury and like was just like one of the best I think that was probably the best moment of of like my track career just like after all that like just being able to win it in front of my family in front of my friends at school like at Harvard like it was like such a golden moment like I will I think that was probably one of the highlights of my track career and also of my four years at Harvard did you start crying though yes I yes and the full circle of it is that Gabby got to hand me my medal um because she'd gone pro and so she was the she'd won that race like so many times set all the records in that race and so was able to hand out the medals and it was just like a sweet moment like to share because we'd been through so much with each other through track and like the journey that we were on and um it was like such a like so bittersweet for her to hit like to be able to hand it to me and like us be like okay this is our senior year and our last 60 meter dash I'll ever be running so wow well that is an amazing moment do you have a picture of that yeah we actually do have a picture it's like I think it's on my Instagram but yeah like both Ivy League indoor and outdoor were like 
such like a miracle <laughs> moment because outdoor even the 100 I had just like like it was like a rough like it had been a rough month for me like my my dad was diagnosed with dementia and so the whole month had been rough for me like I was in and out of the locker or in and out of the training room I had um like still nursing injuries and things and um the end of senior year so it's like so many emotions of like okay what does this look like the end of my track career and I ended up winning by 0. 0.003 seconds like it was zero, like zero three, three. Wow. yeah <gasps> we Harvard went top six in the entire event like in the 100 and it was raining by the way like it was just downpouring Harvard <laughs> went top six of in course yeah I know of course and that's the first time in Ivy League championship a school uh or a hard first time in the Ivy League championship that an entire school has swept, swept the entire event. So it was like, we we're all wow. so like right there, so close. It was, it was wild. When, if you watch the tape back, it's like literally by a nose. I won by a nose. Again, back. You it, started it and you're ending circle. it with a nose. <laughs> full circle, truly full circle. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's freaking amazing. Um, that was so much. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I was like, this is probably gonna be a long episode. Sorry. <laughs> that was the longest four years of your life, I'm sure. Probably felt like 15. <laughs> yeah, I, I aged. I definitely aged. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that, I was saying the same thing. Like when I went through my four years, I didn't have that much injury until like my senior year where I, I oh. fractured my back and it wow. sucked. Like that hurt yeah. so bad. I'd had like many concussions throughout it. Never missed yeah. games for it though. But like it is a mental physical everything grind like the schooling aspect and like you look back and like how did I make it through those four years yeah (laughs) no sometimes I'm like what I'm like this is like this could be an entire reality tv show or something like (laughs) right the drama like (laughs) like, oh there's so much drama that goes into it too like, (laughs) like so much drama in terms of injury in terms of like it's just wild like and I'm so glad I made it through. Like after four years, I'm like, wow, I really did that. And yeah. I well, like you, do you look at your life now and you're like, well, I'm kind of bored. Yeah. <laughs> like literally watching the Olympics, I was like, oh my goodness, how fun would it be to run track again? Like I like got, I got like, sent- <laughs> I was like, wait, I need something. I need to train for something. Like trained for a half marathon last year and ran the half, mar- I'm a half marathon because I was like, I need, I was like itching to do something. <laughs> like oh, I would never train for a half marathon. <laughs> it was so hard. I think I w- kind of want to run one again because I didn't, didn't love the time that I ran it in, but <laughs> Oh my god, it's a competitor in you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I know, and I'm like, this is not good. <laughs> well, like, if you think about it, we, how we time managed everything, I think it was a little bit easier because it was all together. Yeah. But it was still like 24 hours a day of like yeah. constant planning, constant moving. And so, yeah. like, now when we get into our life, like, that's probably why you do your podcast, you're yeah. doing your job, you have, you're hanging out with all your friends, and like, you're able to fit it all in. And everyone's like, how do you? And I'm like, it's like, I'm like, I'm programmed. Like that is the only way to program. Cause if I don't have 8,000 things going on, I'm bored (laughs) or I like, like it's slack off. Like that's why they always say athletes do better in their, their actual season than they do in their preseason because they have to like schedule things. They have to Mm -hmm. compete. They have practice, all these different things. So like, I feel like I'm forcing myself to be in season, like at all times. Seriously. Or then you're like the perfectionist and probably you and I both. It's just like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not contributing to society. (laughs) It is a 
a killer and I hate that mindset but it also is really good at the same time yeah there's Um, pluses and minuses definitely yeah for sure so what did you we didn't even talk about academics like what did you study (laughs) yeah so I studied sociology with a secondary in African-American studies Mm -hmm. and then so what kind of classes so it was a lot about people and how they interact and like how they socialize so a lot like I had a large focus on like identity inequality and social media in terms of like sociology and how like one for social media like the collective identity and how we all kind of have this like if you see on Instagram everyone posts like similar things on Instagram and that's due to the collective Ooh, identity I didn't think that about that and so if everyone started posting like a like selfie with their tongue out on Instagram like collectively a lot of people everyone would start doing it exactly like the pose <laughs> so like <laughs> like using the same similar filters like yeah it's like a collective identity that we all like are some ways subjected to by how much we view social media and like the aspect of gatekeeper I could go on and on about this but the aspect of gatekeepers like brands mm-hmm. being gatekeepers to influencers to kind of like like figure out like the way in which society like views content or like purchases like purchase patterns because they're using influencers mm-hmm. to then influence you to purchase different things it's a whole thing it's very helpful with marketing though <laughs> yeah it is that's what I studied <laughs> uh, oh no way yeah I, I'm a marketer now that's awesome so how did you get in, into that job that you're in now like yeah. did you do internships what was your yeah. process coming out preparing yourself after so your I actually started um, my junior year. I had an internship with a beauty company in um, like a large beauty company in New York and ended up doing marketing on there for the, an internship and then going full time for them. Um, and New York was tough. Like I say, I thought Harvard was an acquired taste. Like New York is very much show for me was an acquired taste and I never acquired the taste. Like I hated it. <laughs> so it was a really tough time. I was in New York six months prior to COVID and then ended up leaving New York and quitting my job. Um, and just like realizing that I needed to have like, to like create a change because I mentally was not okay. And like, was not in a good space and ended up leaving New York a month before COVID hit, um, to move back home and then started a job here in Seattle as a marketing specialist at like a startup. Um, and then COVID hit and everyone started leaving New York. And I was like, I was the OG original. Yeah, I'm a trendsetter. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a trendsetter. I'm not mainstream. (laughs) But yeah, and then ended up like, again, like taking like a year, a good year to kind of figure out like, what do I like? What am I passionate about outside of like coming from like running track for 13 years and like Mm -hmm. that being my life and being an athlete my entire life and like trying to figure out like, what am I actually passionate about outside of like running and realizing that like so much of my journey and time and background has shaped like what my passions are one of those being like women's empowerment and like Mm -hmm. just like sports in general and like like wellness and like even my experience with mental health like just like realizing there's so many topics and things that even as an athlete we didn't really talk about like eating disorders or like self-image or identity and all these things that you feel post-college that like as an athlete at a time you have a whole team of people to like talk about things with like sometimes in good or bad ways because you can either help each other or egg each other in a or help each or not help each other in in different ways or like but I think 
coming out of it, I was like, wow, where's my team? Like, where's my team of people? And like, how do I manage this? Slash, what does mental health look like post-college? What is like eating and nutrition and self-image and identity and all these things look like post-college? And I realized like there was a gap there that I felt like there was no space or place like that had been created or space or place that I felt I had for to talk and have conversation about that and realize there were so many different people and so many women that had just graduated that were going through the same similar things. So ended up like in that year starting my podcast, Aesthetics and Athletics, and just like creating space um, for women to like find the athlete in themselves. Because I think we're all like, regardless of if you played ran college track or ran or played college volleyball or played college hockey or played professional sports. Like I feel like there's a, there's an athlete mindset and that's in everyone. You can, you can inspire and empower that athlete mindset. And I think there's a lot of things that like in terms of like mental health and self-image identity, all these things that we don't necessarily talk about as athletes that I thought was like super important to bring up in conversations that I had with people. Um, Yeah. yeah, I'm, it's like, uh, I get so frustrated about the mental health aspect yeah. in like, especially with the NCAA, because yeah. like they're the governing body. They're the ones that are supposed to be protecting us. And I don't think they realize the amount of stress that we go under Yeah, like day in and day out. Like we probably get addicted to stress, obviously because like our sports are ran that way, that's you know, cool. like we're, we're supposed to be stressed out while we're exactly. playing because that's how you compete. Yeah. But there's also like, once you get back to your room and you're by yourself and then all your thoughts, like, did I have a crappy game? Yeah. Am I struggling with my boyfriend or my girlfriend? Um, yeah. How, how's my family relationships going? And like, yeah. we have so much more than just being an athlete and a D one athlete that we never got to talk about with everyone because like yeah. depression, anxiety was taboo. Like we never talked about it. And I think that was the big thing of like, we never talked about it. And there's this concept of mental of being tough like you'll get through it you can be tough and like that mentality I think is so detrimental to athletes lifestyles because it's like sometimes you you need to take a break sometimes you need to pivot sometimes you need to change in order to make it to the next step because if you keep drilling yourself as I need to be tough like Mm -hmm. you could not make it like truly you could just not make it because you are so like either you're depressed or anxious or things like that and so I think like, like you said, like we didn't really talk about it and we didn't have time to talk about it. And then when you come post-college and you're dealing with all those things, you didn't have a space in college and you had a sport connected to like block the, to almost like bandage, like what Mm -hmm. you were going through. And then you take the sport away. That was the bandage. And you're like, okay, I'm dealing with all these things. And I didn't develop the tools and the tricks and tips to handle things like this. Yeah, well, that goes into even the pandemic now. Everyone was going out, drinking, going out to eat, like doing all these little things instead of addressing the problem. And that's why like mental health and suicides and all of that depression, anxiety has spiked since the pandemic shut everything down. It's really scary. Yeah. Like this is a societal problem. It's not just like athletes, like everybody's dealing with it, which is like the hard truth. Yeah. And it's, I think it's opened up conversation and should continue to open up conversation about mental health and how important like putting your mental health first is. That's why like with Naomi Osaka and even Simone Biles, like seeing what they did and how they've made a stand Mm -hmm. for mental health has been so inspiring and opened up so much conversation, especially in professional athletics, like with professional athletes, just 
about how important your mental health is and like what that looks like and like not like again not push pushing through is not always the answer mm-hmm. like sometimes yes like you're yeah. tired okay you can push through that yeah. but like if you're pushing through depression or yeah. not talking about like bipolar or your eating yeah. disorder or whatever it's only going to make that worse so yeah like, the longer you wait it it's going to just gets. blow up in your face yeah no it's real yeah so oh I, I love and I'm super passionate about like the mental health aspect yeah. of like athletes and everything like that. And I feel like there is such a huge problem still, um, yeah. but like the resources at the same time are, exactly. so, are so limited. Yeah. yeah. And that was one big thing that I even noticed, hence like mental health and wellness was part of like what I really like wanted to talk about on aesthetics and athletics, because I think that is so big, especially I also feel like for female athletes, like there isn't necessarily like we don't we like I feel like sometimes conversation is easier in the mental health aspect of things easier than a lot of male athletes but then when you talk about like nutrition and self-image and eating disorders and what Mm -hmm. an identity and all those things that like that's so I felt like in college we didn't really talk about that in my senior year I like saw so many female athletes with eating disorders like more than I'd ever seen my entire four like three years previous and Mm -hmm. I was like whoa like, where did this come from? Like, why did no one see this? What are we doing to support, support this? What are we doing to help? Like, it was just like one of those things where I was like, whoa, this is like wild. And I like, and like, even I, I feel like had like some like eating problems of like, I'd be like freshman year, especially I was like, oh, I gained a lot of weight. And I was like, I'm not like, I was always comparing myself to other people and what I looked like. Mm -hmm. And like, well, I'm not going to run fast if I like, like so on and so forth and like just the way I was my self-talk was negative about food or like eating or like what I could eat put in my body and like not not putting stuff sometimes not even putting stuff in my body and not feeling myself because I was like scared of like what I was gonna weigh and what that looked like and so it's just like wild the things that you go through it's like a double decker like aspect being a female athlete too because it's like Mm -hmm. okay society like is already telling you that like strong isn't pretty or powerful isn't pretty and so Mm -hmm. you have that pressure of society being like you have to be feminine or you have to be this certain way or you have to look this certain way to be an athlete to be like a woman and then put athletics on top of that of like Mm -hmm. pressure to perform and then you have pressure to form and society what society says is pretty and you have like it's a perfect storm (laughs) Yeah, it's a literal perfect storm. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy too, like that goes on with guys. Like I had a conversation with one, one of the BU basketball players yeah. and he was like, you know, there was a guy on my team that didn't want people to know his fat percentage. Wow. And he was like, and then he stopped eating and yeah. nobody said anything and nobody knew what was really going on because like the guys aren't educated about it. They just think it only happens with girls. And I'm right. like- no, this is like any, but <laughs> Netflix in the background, sorry. Yeah. But yeah, this can happen with literally anyone. Yeah. And I think like the more there's education, especially like through the NCAA, through the schools, or even like pairing therapists that are training to be therapists or licensed, whatever it is, yeah. like with those student athletes, whatever it is that to get resources for them, like that's what needs to be done. Yeah, because- no, 100%. Like just access to resources. Like I think is really 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 important mm-hmm. definitely well oh my gosh i'm sure we could keep talking about this i forever. know honestly <laughs> I could go on and on about this it's like it's what this is like what gives me passion like if yes. i like 
talk about this forever and ever for the rest of my life I would <laughs> like yeah no I we just don't talk we didn't talk about enough when we were in college and I like mm-hmm. it wasn't until after college that I was like whoa uh this is a lot and a lot of people are probably going through this and don't know how to talk about it yeah exactly and I've been dealing with like depression and anxiety since I was 14 years old oh. so I'm like when I got to college I was a little bit prepared but I don't think I was prepared to have like the coach that I had who was pretty yeah. mentally abusive or uh, not at BU at my first college, yeah. then I yeah. transferred. And thankfully it was completely different there. Yeah. But like, they don't even talk about that aspect. I don't, I feel like coaches need to be screened too, like think, way more. Honestly, I think coaches need to have some mental health. Like, I don't know if they need some mental health training or like just to understand the experience of coming in as an athlete, even as a freshman and what mental health looks like, especially in female sports, I, I, I would 1000% agree. I feel like there needs to be more education of coaches about like, like understanding how like, like just like different people coming in and different people have different experiences and they have different like experiences mentally, emotionally, like there's just so many, like you can't, one size does not fit all for how people, how you coach people. And I think, I think that's very much so a real reality that I think a lot of athletes face. Yeah, for sure. Maybe that's like something they can implement is doing a speaker series at every college with like different athletes from all backgrounds. Well, former, cause it'd probably be more comfortable that way. Yeah. And then coming to tell their story. Um, I know like Victoria Garrick is yeah. doing like a full tour series everywhere. Um, but like sharing stories like hers are it's so important to like get them in front of these other student athletes yeah Um, so we'll move on one more time (laughs) so you said you're moving to texas what are you going to be doing there so I actually do brand marketing for an athleisure company called Outdoor Voices. Um, I love and, Outdoor Voices. Yeah. <laughs> and I, so I do brand marketing for them. And so I'm moving um, to Austin to be at the HQ. And I'm super excited for yet another move, another different experience, different perspectives. So, yeah. Yeah. So what are you going to be doing for them exactly? What does that entail, that job? Yeah. So brand marketing, my role is very much so a lot of things. Um, like. Currently, I'm doing a lot with influencer and ambassador, um, a little bit of press, like social community management was part of that too. Um, we'll go more into um, some of the like uh, university program stuff we're going to be doing because um, they had used to have a big like university program um, mm-hmm. through the brand. So it's been a lot of different things, but I, I'm kind of the person that I like to be more of a generalist than a specialist in marketing because yeah. I like to touch a lot of things. And it's not that I don't like to be the math, like the jack of all trades, master of none. Like I like to be the jack of all trades and master certain things in those. <laughs> in those yeah. Trades. Yeah. And it's fun because you get to work with so many different people instead of just yeah. doing one thing every single day. Like yeah. that gets boring real quick. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I have one more question for you because we talked, we covered a lot of bases, honestly, yeah. throughout this conversation. But my last question is if you had one piece of advice for the next generation of athletes, what would it be? That's a really good question. I think my one piece of advice for the next generation of athletes would be to trust the process. Um, trust the well, okay, two pieces of advice. Sorry. That's the process. <laughs> Just comma and <laughs> yeah, comma and put your mental health first. Um, because trust the process in the sense of like your path is not always linear, like with your sport, with life, with anything you do pre-college, 
during college, post-college, like it's not always linear. It's not always going to be point A to point B. Like it could be point A to C to D to F to G. Like, and then you finally get where you're supposed to be, but like really trust the process and realize that like everyone is like operating in their own lane. And like, there's no point in looking left and right to you, right from you to compare yourself to someone else because like you're on your own journey, you're on your own path and like being okay with being on your own journey, your own path and like the process and time it's going to get you to get there, to get wherever there is for you and like what that looks like for you. So I feel like that's my one big piece of advice. And then put your mental health first is like so huge because I think a lot of times it's like we just push through things when we mentally, when we like maybe it's a mental block and like we need to push through it but like when you know you know and like not to ignore your knower like don't ignore your knower because that can oftentimes lead to bigger things and bigger issues that you have to address later and just to like really really lean in and like don't ignore it yeah well that was the whole point of the unpaved path it's literally your journey and people getting to hear your story and Wow, your story is crazy and awesome (laughs) and beautiful all in its own. So thank you, Ghazi, so much for being on today. It was awesome getting to know you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great talking with you. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for tuning in today on The Unpaved Path. If you found this episode helpful or enjoyable, we'd love for you to share it with a friend. To get podcast updates, you can subscribe here or follow me on Instagram at ray.rust. Have a happy hump day.